0: Coming up on Locked On Dodgers, the Dodgers lost a terrible, awful, no good, very bad game in game one of the NLDS. It was a clunker for Clayton Kershaw, clunker for the offense, clunker all around. Luckily, it's only one game. We're going to talk about Kershaw's performance, whether it's the right call to have him pitch again in game four, as Dave Roberts suggests they're going to do, uh, assuming we get to a game four. Talk about whether Austin Barnes might have helped, as some people have suggested. And we will talk about uh, Bobby Miller pitching game two and what he can do to. Right to ship for the Dodgers. That's what's on tap. So let's get Locked On Dodgers. You are Locked On Dodgers, your daily Los Angeles Dodgers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey Dodger fans, this is Locked On Dodgers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen every weekday morning. Remember, this show is free and available on all podcast platforms and on YouTube simply by searching for Locked On Dodgers. Or even better, go ahead and subscribe wherever you're watching and listening right now, then you can be an everydayer just like we are. If this is your first time with us, I am Jeff Snyder. My regular co-host is Vince Samperio, although it's just me today. Vince and I are both lifelong Dodger fans, just like you are. We've also both spent time covering the Dodgers in the press box and the locker room. So we're not quite insiders, but we bring you the smart fans perspective on our boys in blue every weekday morning. This episode is brought to you by game time, download the game time app, create an account and use code locked on MLB for $20 off your first purchase last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. And, uh, with that said <sighs> guaranteed, it's a rough word, you know, uh, I, we we know in the postseason, especially with the Dodgers, nothing is guaranteed, uh, but I think every one of us Dodger fans, even if we were nervous, even if we th- were aware of weaknesses this team had, I don't think any of us had the Dodgers losing 11-2, had Clayton Kershaw giving up six runs and getting one out. Um, if you did, uh, it wasn't a wise bet. It would have happened to be right this time, but uh, – it was historically bad, and it, it was rough being there in person. Uh, I'm sure a lot of you were there in person, um, seeing Clayton Kershaw walk off the mound in the first inning with one out of what could be the last start of his career. Like, we're at that stage where every game could be his last. And uh, I'm a huge Kershaw fan, as as regular listeners or viewers of this show know it was hard for me. Um, and I, I've mentioned this before. I get doubly invested on Kershaw days because I care about the Dodgers and I care about Kershaw. And so I want both things. And so that means when there is a day like this, it's doubly disappointing, devastating somewhere on that continuum, somewhere in there. Uh and, and you know the the game started off pretty rough. The first batter of the game it should have been a fly out to center. It hit James Outman in the glove. Then it slipped out like a wet banana. And it was, you know, it was called a hit should have been called an error. Ultimately. I mean, it's the difference between Kershaw allowing five earned runs and six earned runs. Um, because unfortunately everybody was hitting the ball hard off of him. It was, it was just a rough, rough night for Kershaw. And, you know, we're going to, I'm going to talk more in the second segment about Kershaw, specifically his performance, because I I saw some people saying that Austin Barnes should have been catching because Kershaw was pitching. And uh, I have some thoughts on that. So we'll dig more into Kershaw's performance uh, in this particular game. But after the game, Dave Roberts said that Clayton Kershaw is still going to start game four uh, if we get to a game four. And one of the things Robert said, he kind of said, we don't really have another option. and. That's, that's, it's true. Uh, Maybe it's not entirely true. Um, I don't know that they have a better option because uh, we have uh, Emmett Sheehan pitched in this game, came in and pitched three innings after Kershaw was done. uh, And then they're using Bobby Miller in game two. That's three of the six starter types that they have. Oh, and, uh, and, and Michael Grove pitched too. And he, he only went. An inning, and so he's not really built up to be a starter. And so, really, it's Lance Lynn and Ryan Pepio uh, left on the roster, and they could go with one of them in Game Three and a regular bullpen usage, uh, and then one of them in Game Four. I don't think they're expecting though either of those guys, Lynn or Pepio, to give them more than four innings or so. And with games three and four is the one time this series that there's not a day off between games. It will be a rough time to have to use your full bullpen. You'll know, get five innings from the bullpen in each of those days. You've got basically six, seven, uh, seven or eight relievers. Uh, and so, you know, it, it would be a risk, especially if the game went to extra innings or something. And so it probably does make more sense uh, to have Kershaw start game four if it gets there. Uh, Especially if the Dodgers can win the next two and they're up two games to one, then you start Kershaw knowing worst case scenario, you got Bobby Miller going game five. Um, But I really like, it's hard for me to picture Kershaw being this bad twice in one series. Doesn't mean it can't happen, but it's like, it's hard to picture. Um, And, and, you know, I saw a tweet about his stuff plus, which is a, a metric that measures actual quality of different pitches. And it basically said that Kershaw's stuff plus since he came back from the, from the injured list was well below average. I think it was at 83 with hundred being average. And that means something, but performance also means something. And the fact is even with that below average stuff, Kershaw has pitched successfully since then hasn't gotten deep into games, but he's been successful when he's been in the games. And I still think that's there. Um, and, and so if the Dodgers, you know, obviously the key to that is winning the next two games, so that they can go into Game Four, you know, with a chance for Kershaw to get a redemption kind of story pitch the the clincher to head on to the next round. Uh, hopefully, the offense would wake up against Merrill Kelly. Uh, Kelly, I David Vase said this on the post game show. Uh, I often subject myself to that after when I'm leaving Dodger Stadium. I'll listen to the post game show on the radio. It's kind of a tradition, uh, you know. Maybe I hate myself. I don't know. Uh, we, we couldn't handle it. Uh, we only got one or two of the phone calls on Dodger talk before we had to turn it off. Uh, Cause that was rough. But, uh, but Vasse said that in 18 career starts against the Dodgers, this is Merrill Kelly's first win. And, you know, we, we talked before about the Dodgers generally hit Merrill Kelly. Well, they didn't in this game. Maybe it's the layoff. Maybe it's just a bad game. You know, who knows what it was, but the dodgers didn't hit Merrill kelly it's hard for me to picture kershaw being this bad twice it's hard for me to be picture Merrill, Merrill kelly being that good against the dodgers twice in one series so i'd like the dodgers chances in a kershaw versus kelly rematch obviously there's some homerism there obviously it's maybe it's not you know entirely impartial which i'm okay with but you know when once they made the decision for kershaw to go game, game 1 and bobby miller to go game 2 they were kind of locked into kershaw also pitching game 4 It would be on regular rest, four days rest, which we say regular rest is actually short rest for Kershaw lately, but he only threw 35 pitches. And so even though they were high-stress pitches, he should be perfectly fine, ready to go, uh, or as perfectly fine as he was going to be anyway. And, you know, we'll see what happens. But I do think that given the roster, I I guess one option, one other option would be if, uh, you know, Caleb Ferguson at one point in game one, the trainer came out to see him. So, you know, the Dodgers could put Caleb Ferguson on the IL, remove him from the roster. Uh, and I guess it wouldn't be the IL just remove him from the roster for injury, bring up Brian, bring up Ryan Yarbrough. And so go with like a Pepio and Yarbrough mix in game, uh, three and then Lance Lynn in game four, or even Lynn and Kershaw. Um, you know, they could do that. Uh, that would mean that, uh, that Ferguson wouldn't be eligible for the NLCS if the Dodgers get there. Get there because if you get removed from a playoff roster because of injury, that makes you ineligible for the next round. Just to keep teams from trying to gain the system. Uh, Caleb Ferguson's probably not going to be on the next round roster anyway. Uh, Depend on who they play, but uh, you know the if it was the Phillies, maybe he's more likely against the Braves. It's hard to see Phil- uh, both Ferguson and Vesia on the roster. Um, You know, maybe one of them, maybe neither of them. But anyway, uh, all that said, they they have options. You can always, if there's somebody you know you're not not going to want to the roster next series anyway, you can always, you know, especially if it's a legit legit injury. Something happened with Caleb Ferguson that caused the the trainer come out. So there are options. But as of right now, it seems like the best option is for Clayton Kershaw to pitch game four if we get there. I'm going to come back and i going to talk about Austin Barnes and the idea that him catching Kershaw might have made a difference. So thanks for making Locked on Dodgers your first listen and please keep it Locked on Dodgers. Hey, this episode is brought to you by Game Time. Now, Game Time is great if you need to buy tickets to a sporting event, a concert, a comedy show, theater, anything that you need to buy tickets for. Game Time is great because they have the lowest price guarantee, which means if you buy tickets there and then you find tickets in the same row, uh, section and row for less money, they'll refund you the difference plus 10%. It's, you know, it, you can't lose there. And uh, I mentioned this when I went and saw Nate Bergazzi in Salt Lake a couple of weeks ago, I used Game time, but I also checked every other site and game time was the cheapest. Anyway, they don't just throw around that word guarantee. They really do make sure they have the cheapest tickets and, and it's a great way. So maybe this episode is going to convince you that you want to be in the building for game two of the NLDS tonight. well, Game time is great for last minute tickets. You can get, get them up to game time. Uh, That's Oh, that's why they call it game time. I just made that connection Uh, right up to the time of the game. You can get your tickets and, uh, and get there and watch the Dodgers even up this series tonight. Game time is the way to do it. So, uh, Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code L O C K E D O N M L B for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, I am back. I want to thank you again for making Locked On Dodger your first listen every weekday morning, uh, especially you everydayers. Thank you for being everydayers. I want to shout out uh, four everydayers, Steve and his sons, Levi and Eli and Ezra. Uh, I took in the game on Saturday with Steve and his family, Steve and Stephanie and their three sons, and uh great family, and uh, some of my youngest everydayers, I think, and, and those kids know their baseball, Levi, Eli, and Ezra know their Dodgers, love their Dodgers, and I love seeing the the next generation of Dodger fans. So uh, thanks to them and a uh, shout out to them. Also want to remind you, you can catch tonight's game and every Dodger game, the Dodgers radio broadcast on SiriusXM or the SXM app simply by searching for Dodgers. And finally, want to remind you, if you're watching this on YouTube, please give me your thoughts in the YouTube comment section. Uh, if you listen on the podcast, we'd love to hear from you through social media or email or whatever. So. Uh, you know, obviously, this episode is not going to be super uplifting uh, because the Dodgers just got demolished in a playoff game. Um, I will have some positivity in the last segment, uh, but this this segment I want to talk about. I saw some people on social media saying that Austin Barnes should have been catching that. You know, thinking that for whatever reason that Clayton Kershaw's struggles had to do with the fact that it wasn't his buddy Austin Barnes behind the plate; it was instead Will Smith. Now, part of the problem with that is that Will Smith was basically the Dodgers' only offense, too. He drove in there only two runs. He had two hits, a single and a triple. He also came close to hitting a double or a home run in a previous bat that turned into a fly out. Uh, he hit the ball well, looked really good. And so offensively, the Dodgers can't really afford to be without him. Um, but also, I, I just don't see how it would have made much of a difference having Barnes there and uh, and I'll show you why if you're watching on YouTube I'll I'll try to explain it to you if you're just listening on the podcast but uh, I'm popping up a heat map this shows all of the pitches that Clayton Kershaw threw in this game on Saturday and the thing that really jumps out to me is the lack of pitches on the edges or just off the edge of the zone like there there's there's a few but there's a lot of pitches you know not touching the edge of the strike zone, in the strike zone, uh, and then there's a lot of pitches well out of the strike zone. And Clayton Kershaw at his best is usually on the edges and just off the edges. He's getting swing and miss just off the edges. He's getting uh, you know, called strikes on the edges or weak contact. And what we saw on Saturday was Kershaw really didn't get any weak contact. He got foul balls and hard-hit fair balls. There was very little swing and miss. And there was very little weak contact. It was all like the one-week contact uh, that you can't, uh, this isn't the interactive map, but uh, if you're looking at the this map on YouTube, the one that's kind of middle of the plate uh, height-wise, but off the edge of the right side, uh, like the left-handed batter's box side of the plate, that was the pitch that Lourdes uh grounded out on. Uh, That was really the only weak contact that Kershaw got and everything else. There's a lot of foul balls. There's a lot of uh, pitches that weren't good enough to put guys away. He had two, two strikes on six of the eight batters he faced. Like he was getting, he was throwing strikes or getting strikes. You can see a lot of pitches out of the strike zone, but getting foul balls on those, but wasn't didn't have the bite to get them to swing and miss and wasn't on the edges with his slider, uh, you know, that sort of thing. And so, you know, I don't know that there's anything that Austin Mars would have done differently because I'm sure Will Smith wasn't putting down the sign for throw it over the middle. He wasn't putting down the sign for throw a slider without enough bite. Uh, He just, the stuff just wasn't quite there. And uh, our buddy Brandon Johnson asked me, do I think Kershaw might've been tipping pitches? It's always a possibility when you have guys like we know in game five of the 2017 World Series when Kershaw didn't get any swing and miss on his breaking balls that was because the Astros knew what was coming because they're cheaters. And so uh, nobody's accusing the D backs of cheating, but if Kershaw was tipping pitches and therefore the D backs knew what was coming, that could be the result. Um, But when I look at the heat map, I'm like, okay, not saying it didn't happen, but I do think, I think this heat map looks a lot different than a, an elite Kershaw game would have looked. I think it would have been a lot more on the edges uh in in one of his good games and he does throw a lot of pitches over the plate too like over the middle of the plate yeah he's always been better than average at getting swings and misses on pitches that people ought to hit that's part of what's made him great i don't think he has the stuff to do that anymore and when you don't have the great stuff that stuff plus that's below average your margin of error goes way down your your ability to absorb I made a bad pitch but I got away with it. That doesn't happen when you don't have great stuff. If you make a bad pitch, a good team like the Diabacks is going to make you pay. And that's what we saw a lot of on Saturday. Um there was okay, I made a good pitch and they fouled it off because it was good but not good enough. And then they just kept fouling it off until I got until I threw a bad pitch and they destroyed it. They hammered it. Uh pretty much everything they hit off him was hard. And so I don't think that would have helped to have Austin Barnes behind the plate. Uh, because either whether it was just bad execution or tipping pitches, either way, uh, the catcher really doesn't have much to do with that. And so uh, now I understand the impulse, and I, I get that people want to find the reason. And, and it would feel better, you know, if we had known in 2017 the reason that, you know, Clayton Kershaw struggled so badly in game five was because the Astros were cheating you know, you could do something about that, but you know, when you don't have the reason and it's, it's worse to come up with the reason and have it be the wrong reason than to just not have a reason. And so, uh, I think it would be reactionary to just say, okay, Barnes is catching Kershaw next time. Maybe they will, you know, because it would be the second day in a row. But I think the point of days off in the postseason is that a guy who hits like Austin Barnes never needs to start a game at catcher. Um, and maybe if they're up two games to one, you know, maybe, but, but, I mean, Will Smith hit Merrill Kelly, and nobody else did. So uh, seems like Smith's gonna be in the lineup. Um, I'm gonna come back in a minute. I'm gonna talk about game game two, which is coming up. uh tonight, I'm gonna be there again. Bobby Miller is pitching. We're gonna talk about why there is still reasons for optimism and hope in Dodgerland. So, Thank you again for making Locked on Dodgers your first listen every weekday morning, and please keep it Locked on Dodgers. Hey, I'm back. I want to thank you every for being with us every weekday morning. If you're not an every it's really easy to become one. Just watch or listen every weekday morning. Uh, It would, it's fun talking Dodgers with you. Obviously an episode like this is less fun, but we love our Dodgers. And I, I always say, I don't love the Dodgers because they, they win. I want them to win because I love them. Same way I feel about Kershaw. And so like I I mentioned this last week, I don't get angry anymore. Um, I get sad when the Dodgers lose, uh, especially in October. Um, But I, I don't get angry because I just, I love the Dodgers. I want them to win because I want them to be happy. I want their families to be happy. I want me to be happy, you know? It's uh, once we've committed to this life of caring about sports, it is uh, it's part of the equation that we get happy when our teams win and sad when our teams lose. So that's what I'm hoping for. If you can't catch the game in person, like I'm going to, and if you can't catch it on TV, or maybe you don't have TBS or you're do- doing something else. You can always listen to the Dodgers radio broadcast on Sirius XM or the SXM app by searching for Dodgers. Uh, with that said. It is game two tonight, and I mentioned families—the players' families—who I want to be happy. Well, the other night, I was sitting in Loge 103, actually same place I'll be for tonight's game, uh, and uh, just in Loge 105 or 107, just down below us a little bit, Bobby Miller's parents were sitting there, and uh, you know, easily recognizable—we've seen them on TV. So, uh, and, and they stayed for the whole game. Uh, kudos to them on that. Not a lot of fans did. I mean more than most teams would have, but uh, you know, it was it was it was a little bit more sparse by the end. Uh, but they were watching and I was just thinking, wondering what's going through their mind, knowing that their son is making his postseason debut on Monday. And and as the game went on, realizing it's gonna be basically a must-win. It's not mathematically a must-win, as Brian Regan, uh the funny comedian would tell you about must wins, but You can't really afford to go down two games to none in a best of five series uh, because then you have to win three in a row. So it's it's uh, it's as close to a must win as you can get in a non mathematical must win game. And Bobby Miller is being thrown into the fire. Now, here's what makes me optimistic about game two. And then I'll tell you what makes me optimistic about the rest of the series. After that, optimistic about game two, Bobby Miller has great stuff we just spent time talking about how Kershaw doesn't have the stuff to get away with mistakes. Bobby Miller does. He won't get away with every mistake, but Bobby Miller has great stuff. And that's really, really important, especially in the postseason. It's stuff matters. That's why Bobby Miller's on the roster. It's why Ryan Pepio and Emmett Sheehan are on the roster. They have great stuff. And so, and Bobby Miller has the best stuff of all those guys. And so, He's not going to pitch a no-hitter. Uh, he's not going to pitch a complete game. But I expect Bobby Miller to come out and pitch six or seven innings and allow two or three runs. Um, And that should be enough for the Dodgers to win the game. The Dodgers' offense needs to show up, and we've said that so many times. Ultimately, it won't matter what the pitching does if the offense doesn't show up. The Dodgers only scored two runs on Friday, or Saturday, I mean. Um, And, and that's hard because they were down six to nothing before they ever batted. That's a demoralizing situation to be in. They were down nine to nothing going into the bottom of the second inning. You know, who knows if the offense would have done any better. If the game had been closer, you will never know, but the offense needs to show up. But Bobby Miller, I really feel like he's going to do his part. And if the offense can put up five runs, which should be doable, that could, should get them a win in this game. Which brings us to the rest of the series. If the Dodgers win game two, it's one to one, which means it's now a best of three. The Dodgers are still the better team on paper. And you know, like I said last week, if both teams play their best, the Dodgers will win the series. And that remains true. Even made down one game to none, because if they can tie it up tonight, then best of three, win two of the next three games. And you know, it's it's absolutely doable. And, and if this had been a best-of-three series going in, the Dodgers would have been the favorites because the Dodgers are the better team. They finished 16 games ahead of the Diamondbacks. I did get pushback on, on YouTube last week when I said the Dodgers are a better team than the Diamondbacks. That's not a hot take. That is as close to hashtag science as you're going to get, that the team that finished 16 games ahead of the other team is better. The team that won eight of the 13 head-to-head matchups during the season is the better team. And so if it had been a best-of-three going in, Dodgers would have been favored. Uh, Chances are they would have swept that series. And so if the Dodgers can win tonight and pull even in the series, they have then, you know, yeah, they've lost home field advantage because they've got to play two of the next year in Arizona. I don't know if you've seen the Dodger game in Arizona. Not a lot of home field advantage for the D-backs going on. and so it's the Dodgers, if they can win today, I love their chances in the series, but they've got to win today, which means Bobby Miller needs to show up and the offense needs to show up. Those are really the only two concerns. Everything else is going to be good. And I really do think Bobby Miller, because he's got the stuff, it plays up. He is going to be able to withstand mistakes, keep the D backs off balance. And, you know, one of the good things there, there's nothing good about it losing 11-2. There's nothing good about being down 9-0 after two two innings, except it's even easier to put this game behind you because game one was such an anomaly. It is, when you're talking about this game made history in some ways, postseason history by how bad it was, that game is almost easier to put behind you because it's just like, okay, well, obviously Clayton Kershaw is not going to give up six runs in a third of an inning again. Uh, and the Dodgers, after the second inning, That was a two to two game. Even with the offense struggling, it was two to two after the second inning. Uh, And so it's easy to say, okay, put that one behind you. Let's not do that again. And let's go knowing that we can win this game. And if our offense shows up, we can really win it. And so it's uh, not that I would root for an 11 to two loss, but if the Dodgers had been leading and blown a lead in the ninth inning and lost four to three, that's almost more demoralizing because that one's harder to put in the rear view. It's you're thinking about the missed chances and all that. This is like, okay, we lost game one. Guess what? It only counts for one game. The 1960 pirates can tell you they played seven games against the, the Yankees in the world series. And the pirates got outscored by about a zillion runs because the three games that the Yankees won were, you know, by several runs. I didn't pull up the numbers. I didn't think to talk about this, uh, but yeah, if you look at the 1960 World Series, the Yankees outscored the Pirates by a ton. But the Yankees won 3 games and the Pirates won 4 and the Pirates won the World Series. So the Dodgers they, they could finish the series getting outscored by the bar, by the D-backs and the Dodgers could still win 3 games to 1. Um, because game 1 is over, it counted for one loss and now it's time to move on and play game 2, win game 2, and, and just keep winning today. win today and then in two days, win today again and then the next day win today again and you just won a series uh that's 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 it for me on this series. Uh, the the Braves lost to the Phillies in their first game of the series. Um, the Astros and twins are tied one game to one and the Rangers are up two games and done on the Orioles. So uh, that that's the extent of the playoffs right now. Time for the Dodgers to even up this series and uh, head home to Arizona to uh, to win it there and celebrate in the pool. Because the, the D-backs general manager said that the Dodgers would be allowed to celebrate in the pool if they want to, if they win the series in Arizona. Good enough reason to just win the next three games, right? I'm on board. Hope you're on board. If you are at the game today, you know, if you see me, say hi. Uh, I, I ran into, I, I feel bad. I met a guy. Uh, who was sitting in section 115 of Loge, No, 117 of Loge, uh, up near the top the other night. I walked past him and he stopped me and he introduced himself. He said he's an everydayer. I forgot your name. I'm sorry. Uh, send me a message because I would like to know. Uh, I feel bad that I forgot your name. But it was good to meet you and uh, your wife, looked like. So uh, I-, I love meeting listeners, our everydayers. So uh, if you see me, say hi. I'll be wearing, I don't know. I'll probably be wearing my Dodger jersey that says that snide dog on the back. Pretty easy to, to spot. I'm huge. So, uh, you know, there's a few things that you can uh, spot about me. Anyway, uh, love to see you guys. So let me know if you're there. That's going to do it for me. Uh, I think it's going to be just me again tomorrow uh, I because I think Vince is going to Las Vegas to watch the Raiders lose. Uh, and so it'll probably be just me again talking about game two tomorrow night uh, after I get back from. LA so uh, but it should be up for you Tuesday morning like normal thank you to our everydayers if you're not an everydayer, become an everydayer by watching or listening every weekday morning we really appreciate it when you guys do that remember you can catch tonight's game and every Dodger game on Sirius XM the Dodgers radio broadcast Sirius XM or the SXM app by searching for Dodgers you can also listen to this podcast on the SXM app by searching for locked on Dodgers you can uh, find us on Instagram and on Twitter at Locked On Dodgers. Vince is on Twitter at VinceSense91. I'm on Twitter at Snydog, and the DMs are open in all of those places. Our email address is lockedondodgers at gmail.com. And our phone number for voicemails or text, me- text messages is 323 863 LOCK. We are here every weekday morning, and we hope you'll be here with us. When you get in your car or sit on your couch, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Dodgers. And remember, you don't have to agree, you just have to listen.